The only way that we're going to be able to exemplify Jesus Christ is by growing spiritually so that way we can become less of us and more of him. What's going on, everyone? My name is Justin. Welcome to Unlocking Scripture. I wanted to talk to you today about getting out of a spiritual rut that you might find yourself in by applying seven keys to spiritual growth to help prepare you and propel you into God's purpose for your life. And in order to understand that and, and to be able to apply that, the first thing we need to do is be able to understand what spiritual growth actually is according to the Bible. And this comes right out of 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I want everybody to pay attention to that because it says this. It says that we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. What same image is he talking about? The image of Christ. That's so important because what spiritual growth is, is simply a Christian becoming more and more like Jesus through the process of sanctification that comes from the work of the Holy Spirit. So when we accept Christ in our lives, let's go back to when you first believed. That moment when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, immediately the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you and he starts to make you a new person. Now, if you've been serving God for a long time or however long you've been serving, I'm sure by now, if you allow the Holy Spirit to get a hold of you, you have already seen him transform you. And you look at yourself before Christ and you'll notice the difference. That's sanctification. That's because the Holy Spirit is starting to do a work in you and he's starting to transform you from glory to glory. That's spiritual growth. So spiritual growth is really coming from that. The root of it is sanctification and it brings about transformation through the power of the Holy Spirit. So if we read that again, it says, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Holy Spirit that lives in you is God, and He's transforming us day by day from one degree to another so that we can resemble Christ. And that's the whole purpose of spiritual growth, is that we not only become like Christ, but we resemble Him meaning that other people can see Christ in us. So there's a quote that my pastor uses a lot um, back in church, and then this is something that's still with me now that I'm a pastor and I've been ministering too, is that the only Christ that people are going to see in this world is the one that you show, because he's not in the flesh here anymore. The Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again. But right now, the only Christ that people are going to see is the body of Christ, the church. And we're the ones that demonstrate him. That's why the Bible calls us his ambassadors. And how are we going to do that? The only way that we're going to be able to exemplify Jesus Christ is by growing spiritually so that way we can become less of us and more of him. When we read the Gospel of John, you see a famous character named John the Baptist. And his saying that stuck throughout the test of time was, he must increase and I must decrease. And he always shot to prepare the way of the Lord. And that still rings true today is that as believers, we need to prepare the way for the Lord throughout our Christian life. Doesn't matter if you're a new believer or if you've been serving God for the last 30 plus years, we all need to be preparing the way for the Lord and make his path straight 
so that way we can decrease and he can increase and allow himself to be glorified. Amen. So that is what spiritual growth is in a nutshell, is simply the process of allowing the Holy Spirit to sanctify us and allowing us to grow from one degree of glory to another, to resemble Jesus more and more every day. And that draws us to what the importance of spiritual growth is. Let's read this verse out of 2 Peter 3.18. It says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And growing spiritually is important. The Bible teaches us it right here. It says that every Christian should seek to grow in their grace and knowledge of Jesus. That's why it's important to grow spiritually because when we accepted the Lord and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us, he didn't call us to stay the same. He did not call us to remain the same way that he found us in. Instead, he is calling us to new life, a life of transformation, and that transformation leads to a life of power. And that power is not for us. That power is to demonstrate the gospel to a lost world, to call people out of the grip of the enemy, to call people out of the root of this world and darkness so that we can be saw in light. When we read the book of Acts, it says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to do what? Be witnesses, to be the witness of Christ throughout all nations. And it names some there, it says in Samaria, Samaria uh, Jerusalem, and it says throughout all ends of the earth. So when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us and we start to grow spiritually and we receive power, that power is to be a bold witness and testimony for Jesus to win souls for his kingdom. There is nothing more valuable to God than the souls. And so that transformation that's happening in our life is to glorify him by bringing souls to the kingdom. The Bible says that he who wins souls is wise. So God desires that every person grow spiritually for that reason. So that way we can gain more souls for him. Jesus died for everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. We all know that verse. He gave his son for the world, not for specific people. Don't be deceived by the ones that say he came for only for a certain group. He came for all people. And he's called us to be the salt and light and the vessels to bring people to him. It's only one way to do that by growing spiritually. If we do not grow spiritually, the opposite of that is stagnancy. When things become stagnant, they eventually wither away and die. So you have two different spectrums. You either have the side where you're growing spiritually, you're becoming more like Jesus every single day, or you're not growing spiritually and you're starting to wither away little by little. And so the point that you eventually backslide back into the world and this is important because when we grow spiritually, we start to bear good fruit. And this is out of John 15 too. It says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So again, that point that I just made that if we don't bear fruit, if we're not growing, then he takes it away. But if we are bearing fruit, he actually starts to prune us. So that way we can bear more fruit for him. And when we think of the word pruning, it's a very uncomfortable thing. There's going to be times that God sends trials in our lives or allows us to pass through the fire for the sake of bearing more fruit, for purification. When gold passes through fire, it becomes more purified. God doesn't allow you to pass through fire 
or trials to torment you or to destroy you. He does it to purify you because you're valuable or compared to gold. And he wants you to become purified. He wants you to resemble him more and more. And that comes with suffering. We're to suffer like Christ has suffered so that way we can share in his glory. And with that, we're going to get right into seven keys to spiritual growth. So that way you can take this with you and start to prepare yourself for all that God has called you to. Because God has called you to a purpose, each one individually. He has given a purpose to, and he has equipped you with gifts because he has a job for you to do, and that is to go out and win souls for his kingdom. So this is the first one. You need to dedicate time to studying God's word. You can't serve a God that you don't know. And the only way that you're going to know Jesus is by studying his work. Apart from his word, there's only room for deception because the Bible says that in ending times, there will come many people who are coming in his name, but yet they'll be teaching doctrines of demons. How would you be able to know the difference if you don't know the word of God? You have to be studying your word. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Now it's interesting that it says faith comes from hearing because before you knew Jesus, I guarantee you weren't really reading the Bible, but it came from hearing. Somebody had to preach it to you. Somebody had to tell you about Jesus. So it came from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But then once you heard and you have believed, there's something else that comes down. James, this is out of James 1, 26. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing. But after you have heard, now it's time to do. After you have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, now it is time to do the gospel of Jesus Christ. And notice the warning that what James says here, he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. You have already heard. So don't stay at the hearing part. Grow spiritually and now be a doer of the word. The warning is deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once, forgets what he was like. Imagine looking at yourself in the mirror and then walking away and totally forgetting what you look like. That's what it's like when you're a hearer of the word only. When you stay at that stage where you just hear the gospel, you don't actually become a doer of the word. Now, we see that in church today, and people will deny it all day long. People that come to church on Sundays, and that's where that's all the relationship they have with God is just Sunday church going. They don't go home and read their Bible. And if they do go home and read their Bible, they don't go and apply it on their day-to-day -day life. God is calling us to much more than this, just that. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. You know, in the book of James also, it says that faith without works is dead. Faith and works go hand in hand. You receive the word by hearing through faith. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So you receive the word by hearing it and having faith. But then James, it compels us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because if we're just hearers, we're deceiving ourselves. And then as we go further in James, it says faith without works is dead. So you need to be a doer of the word and have works to complement your faith. Hebrews 6, 1 says, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. What does that mean? Leave the elementary. 
you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior by hearing of the crucifixion, by hearing that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And that is the beginning of everything. But at some point, that foundation has to be left where it is. And now you have to start building on that foundation, which the Bible says is Christ. Build upon it by studying the word of God. Study the word of God. Start to get to know what the Old Testament says. Get to know what the gospels say. Read the Bible in its entirety and start to live it out. Become a doer of the word. So dedicating time to studying the word of God is the first key that is going to set up the rest of these and the rest of you for success. Key number two would be to spend time in prayer and fasting. First John 5, 14, it says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. I love how the Bible has a play out words because it gives us the answers to our question before we even ask. How can we be assured that God is hearing our prayers? Well, it tells us if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. How do we even pray according to his will? Well, you'll know that if you study your Bible, you'll know what the will of the Father is. But we have the Holy Spirit in us that can guide us. The Bible says in Romans that the Spirit makes intercession for us with groans that can't even be other. So when we trust in the Holy Spirit and we say, Holy Spirit, right now, I don't have the words to pray. And I'm not exactly sure what God's will is. I'm still a human at the end of the day. But you know the heart of God. So I pray in Jesus' name that you will lead me towards the will of God in my prayer time. And the Spirit of God will guide you. So that is praying according to his will. He will align you with God's will. And you can be assured that God is hearing your prayer. Now, you want to also learn how to incorporate fasting into your prayer life. We're flesh and blood at the end of the day. And the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And there's going to be times where the enemy is going to want to attack you. The only way to combat that back and be on the offense and not just on the defense all the time is by incorporating fasting and prayer, learning how to die to your flesh, crucifying this flesh so that way you can move in the spirit. And what I mean by move in the spirit, I mean increasing the effectiveness of your prayer life, not literally moving in the spirit as if you're leaving your body. Let's not get confused. Because there's a lot of people that preach that. I'm not one of them. That is a false doctrine. But being effective in prayer comes from a life of prayer and fasting. And now we move on to three, which is to be in fellowship with believers. There is a foolish teaching that's been out that basically says that being in church and being around other Christians is not important when the Bible says that isolation is for foolish people. If you read all throughout Proverbs, it always points back those who isolate themselves as those who are foolish. You cannot be living this solo life as a believer. If that were the case, the, the Bible would not call the early church when we read the book of Acts. I mean, these people back then even gave up properties. They gave up their homes to live together for the gospel's sake. So church is important. We're not even doing nearly half of that these days, but church is important. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is no guidance a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. In an abundance, many counselors. And then it says this on 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived, bad company ruins good morals. So being in fellowship with believers is important because it's going to keep you away from the bad company. When you become a believer, a new Christian, you're likely coming in with baggage of all sorts. I, I know I did. 
And part of that baggage was friends that were worldly, that I did worldly things with, whether it was smoking, drinking, you know, going out and just being involved in things that were not of God. How was I going to get out of that unless I started to surround myself with the right people? There's so many studies out there. You can just look them up online on how your friend group and the circle of people that you're with is really your circle of influence on your life. And it determines how successful you will be in certain areas just based on the people that you hang out with. One example, you can't expect to become a millionaire if you're hanging out with people who have a poverty mindset, who don't want to propel themselves forward. So it's the same thing spiritually. If you want to grow spiritually, you need to be surrounded by people who are going to hold you accountable to spiritual growth and are going to walk with you. That's why it says, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. People that hold you accountable, get rid of the bad company. If you have people in your life that are holding you back from God, they're not worth being in your life. And when you start to put that boundary up or start to make that separation, you're going to see great things happen because even Jesus said it that anyone who loves father or mother or son or daughter or friend more than me is not worthy of me. So choose him and you'll start to see how he works everything out for your good. Now, four is to learn to value servanthood. Another very important thing to have in your life is servanthood. And how can we know that right off the bat is Matthew 20, 28 says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus himself, who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, he gave up his divinity. He gave up his royalty and his lordship to be humbled amongst men and women of this earth, just humankind, and to serve at that and give his life. I mean, he gave it all up. And that's the example that we're to follow. Matthew 23, 11 says, the greatest among you must be a servant. So if you want to be great in the kingdom, you have to be a servant. You have to learn to put yourself last. And listen, pride comes before the fall. Don't ever set yourself up more than you should. Think of yourself lowly and put others higher than you are think. And doing that and having that servant mentality is going to allow God to do great things in your life and to propel you into greater heights because you're walking as a humble servant and he knows that he can use you. Now, imagine if you have pride in your life and mind you, some of you might be listening now and might deny that you have pride in your life. Listen, we all have pride. Sometimes we don't even recognize it because pride has many faces and we need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal those things to us so that way we can get rid of the pride. But if you have pride in your life and God exalts you, imagine what destruction that'll cause, not just in you, but those around you. Now, if you look at the book of Luke, you see the tax collector and the Pharisee. The Pharisee prays and says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, adulterers, sinners, and so forth. I give my tithes, I fast, I do this, I do that. And he starts to name out all these credentials and God wasn't pleased with him. But yet the tax collector said, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner. And he, he didn't even dare to look to heaven is what the Bible said. And he was the one that was justified, not the Pharisee. Humility is so important. Throw that in there as a bonus key, if you will. But humility is important. And we learn humility through servanthood by becoming low and by serving others. We actually serve God through the fact that we serve other people. We don't worship people, but by serving people, we serve God. 
And five is to learn to worship God for who he is, not necessarily for what he can do for you. See, God is not our genie. And that's unfortunately what the church has taught throughout the years is that God is a genie. If you give an offering, you'll get something back. That's not what the Bible says. You know, the Bible tells us to give cheerfully and God blesses the cheerful giver, sure. But the motive of giving is not to be blessed. The motive of giving is to be a blessing to others. And so we need to learn to worship God for who he is. Psalm 86, 9 through 10, it says, All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. This verse just speaks of the worthiness of God without even mentioning what he has done for the person writing this. It says, you alone are God. You know, greater the wondrous things you do, the fact that you created mankind, that you have created the earth, and that you've done all these glorious things. He alone is worthy. And we just need to learn to worship God just for who he is because he is worthy to be worshipped. Not necessarily for the things that he has done. Even though we should glorify him because of the things that he has done, but he is greater than just his hands. Seek him for his face. And six is to examine yourself and repent of sin. That's something that we need to do on a daily basis is learn to look ourselves in the mirror and check if we are following in step with the gospel. First John 1 John 1.10 says, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Notice that there is not a position tied to this scripture. There's no pastor that's excluded, no prophet that's excluded. Nobody is excluded if we say we have not sinned, we make God a liar. The Bible says all have fallen short of the glory of God. We all are due for repentance. We all need a savior. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only one that can provide that salvation. So we have to look ourselves in the mirror and examine ourselves for sin. Second Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves or do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? So it says for us to test ourselves. How do we test ourselves? Looking at our conduct. How do we behave during the week? How did I respond to that situation that recently happened? Did I do it in a biblical manner? Or did I apply biblical principles when I responded to such and such person or such and such situation? Go back and look at those things and see how you acted see where the Bible might have been applied or, and I'm not telling you to look at the Bible like a rule book. The Bible is there to teach us how to be like God, how to be like Jesus. And by us applying it, it's a matter of us becoming more like him and having the mind of Christ. That's what the Bible is here for us to give us the mind of Christ so that we can represent him across every situation. So we need to test ourselves and we need to examine ourselves. And lastly, this is not least, is to walk with the Holy Spirit daily. That is extremely important, is building fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You know, I heard a quote before, it says that the Holy Spirit is the most ignored person in church. And, you know, you can agree or disagree with that. I'll leave that up to you. That's just a quote that I read, but it was an interesting one nonetheless, because I would say, and this is me thinking, is that to some people, the Holy Spirit may be ignored or some churches may ignore the, the Holy Spirit there and it just becomes religion. But in other churches or in other people's lives, the 
certain aspects of the Holy Spirit is emphasized, but the person of the Holy Spirit is ignored. What do I mean by that? Well, I'll give you an example. Sometimes people just love the gifts of the Spirit. They love the gifts of the Spirit so much that they deceive themselves at, at times to, or not even deceive themselves, but they fall into emotionalism and believe everything is the Holy Spirit. You know, oh, I had a dream. So God is speaking to me in this dream. Maybe you just drank chocolate milk at night. Or, or there's things where we over-spiritualize and over-emphasize the gifts and prophecies and, you know, what have you. But we forget the person of the Holy Spirit. The fact that he is a person that was sent to live in us to do more than just give gifts. Now, put this into perspective. He is a person. Imagine somebody that's close to you, whether it's your mother, your father, whoever it is, that person gives you gifts to show that they love and appreciate you and to value you. But you have to always, like, you can accept the gifts, but you, you're not given those gifts as a means of ignoring the person for the purpose of ignoring the person. No, though those gifts are given so that you can even be drawn closer to the person. Those gifts are given as an aid to build a closer relationship with the gift giver not to ignore the gift giver, the person behind it. And that's unfortunately what I believe has happened a lot is that the Holy Spirit distributes gifts and people take the gifts but forget the Holy Spirit. They just focus on the gifts that he's given. And we need, to, we need to go back to him. We need to remember that Jesus said that, you know, if I don't leave, then the comforter won't come to you. The fact that he has a ministry that, to draw us closer to Christ shows that he is a person. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can quench the Holy Spirit. He is a person. And he was given to us to draw us closer and closer to Christ and to equip us to be like Christ throughout this time that we're here. Let's look at Romans 8, 14. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So having the Holy Spirit is one thing, but being led by the Holy Spirit comes with submission to him. Being led by the Holy Spirit comes with laying your life down for Christ and submitting to his will. Everything that we experience is coming from the Holy Spirit. When I mean, what I mean by that is like, you know, when God reveals himself or Jesus is revealing himself, he's revealing himself to us through the Holy Spirit. And so for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And I'm going to leave that with you today is to ask yourself that question. Are you being led by the Holy Spirit? If that's a no, start to go through these keys and see where you need to apply something here to allow yourself to be with, uh, led by the Holy Spirit. Do you need to examine yourself and repent of any sin? Do you need to improve your worship life, your prayer life? Do you need to serve more, read your Bible more, pray more? Whichever one of these gifts it is, just know that you need to be walking with the Holy Spirit daily. That is what's going to allow you to one, apply all these keys into your life and more beyond just these keys. This is just something I was able to put together for you, but the Bible has much more. Take this, go into your word and get into a deep place with God that you can start to grow spiritually. And if this is something that has blessed you, I want you to go ahead and, and click the like button and subscribe and be part of what God is doing today. Share this with somebody who might need it. And more than anything, get into a place of prayer where you can be one-on-one -on -one with God and you can allow God to start working in you. So go ahead and grow spiritually today. I'm rooting for you. I'm praying for you. And may God bless you.